This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast illuminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. From the office and manufacturer of Syraclad in Redmond, Washington, and on location, this is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. For our guest today, we are honored and super excited to have Patrick Laidlaw. Patrick is a national sales manager for WAC Lighting. WAC Lighting is a leading global manufacturer and innovative designer of lighting for luxury residential and commercial application, as well as hospitality, institutional, retail, and architectural projects. You can step inside the world's finest museums, public spaces, offices, and WAC Lighting helps them shine brightly. For more information, feel free to visit their website at WACLighting.com. Again, that's WACLighting.com. Patrick. Patrick. Welcome Hi, to, oh, Patrick, I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you very much for being here, really. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm honored that uh, you would host uh, host me back. Um, I appreciate it very much. Oh, thank you. Patrick, we like to start our show off with um, either, if you can think of something that's funny that's happened, which uh, our audience is going to get a kick out of, that may have happened either today or recently that uh, was funny, but it turned into something really good. Um, oh, that put me on the spot here, Tom. Things happen. Things, funny things happen to me every day. Uh, I think I'm just a, a funny magnet. Um, I, I think I shared with you, uh, I try to bring humor wherever I go. So I think funny things happen to other people too. They must walk away and go, that guy thinks he's funny. Um, I, I don't know. I, I would say uh, checking out of a hotel. I think I shared this with you once before, checking out of a hotel. And the young lady, when I come down, says, uh, hello, Mr. Laidlaw. Um, good morning. Can we check you out? And and I said, I would absolutely love it if you checked me out. I'm an old guy and nobody checks me out anymore. And I think some of these young ladies, their jaws just dropped to the floor. They don't know what to say, but uh, but they laugh and, um, you know, it brightens someone's day every day. That's a good thing. Oh, speaking of bright, a perfect segue, brightening, brightening someone's day. At WCA Lighting, you guys do that a lot. How do you keep up with all the technology that is, uh, especially in lighting, which seems to be light years ahead of so many other building product materials. Sure. Yeah, Tom, uh, it's it's a challenge. It's a fun challenge. It's a pretty amazing time to be in lighting right now because um, from the days of incandescent, which were around for so long, we transitioned to fluorescent and they had a lot of, there's some positives, but also some drawbacks, especially residentially, uh, into LED. Those changes have been pretty fantastic. But what's more, I think, even more impressive and important than that is the changes about what we've learned, how lighting affects our life every day, our human bodies, our circadian rhythms, um, the the overall effect of production, uh, children learning, um, Alzheimer and dementia patients and the way they function. We're learning more now about how lighting affects our human bodies than we've ever known in the history of mankind. So that's pretty amazing. And uh, what we're going to be able to do, I believe, going forward and learn going forward is only going to help everyone. Yeah, about that human nature, it's, 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 your R&D program seems to focus a lot on the human experience first. Is that correct or am I reaching a little bit? No, no, you're absolutely correct. Absolutely. So around 2000, a lot of the building codes and building focus was on uh, watts per square foot. It was on energy consumption, saving energy. And um, eventually they realized that 
they were doing that at the uh, at the loss of productivity. Uh, user experience had had gone down. Everything was focused on just energy and not the users of the space. So the term human centric lighting was coined, and human centric lighting really is obviously lighting focused around humans. But it's been um, it's been diluted in a lot of ways to mean circadian rhythm lighting um, or or lots of other things. People are coining and using that phrase for a lot of different things, but ultimately it means trying to take lighting and focus it on the, the humans or the users of the space that, that are actually there and how can that affect them and benefit them. Yeah, how, in your experience, how, how much has lighting changed just in the last couple of years versus the couple of years prior? Sure. So lighting, uh, you know, LED has been around for a while. It's getting better and better as far as the technology, the longevity, but now what they're doing with it is again, uh, understanding how it affects our our bodies. So now we're controlling light in, in a lot of different ways. The number one way is to try to mimic the sun. So the sun is obviously the earliest form of light. We relate to it as human beings. We invented fire somewhere along the way, which kind of replicated the warmth of the sun in a way, but it was warmth all the time. And uh, we use that at night to be able to see. And electric lights really kind of, uh, when we got into electric lights, it really kind of changed humanity because then you could have light anytime you wanted. And, and that day-night creature, that day-night pattern for humans changed. But in the last couple of years, the focus has been not only on energy efficiency and LED technology, it's been how does it affect our body. So we're learning certain blue wavelengths affect our eyes. Our eyes pick up the blue wavelengths in the sun and it tells our brain, don't produce melatonin right now. You're supposed to be awake. You're a day creature. And at night when the sun goes down, those blue wavelengths go out of the out of the air, out of the sun, and we pick up the yellow wavelengths that tell our, our eyes tell our brains start producing melatonin, be ready for sleep. You're supposed to sleep at night. And so with LEDs, screens, TV screens, laptops, um, phones, we've screwed up our circadian rhythm patterns because we've got this blue light pumping in our eyes all the time. And then we go lay down and try to go to bed. We're, we're not tired. So we've learned a lot about how lighting can affect our productivity. We want to be awake during the day. We don't want candlelight midday. If we're producing things or studying, we want bright light that mimics the sun. So uh, so technology in the last really three, four years has has been amazing. Uh, go back to something I thought you said was funny. Is it, you're a day creature. I, I, I love how you put the human element into it, but with the spin on the, 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 the fun. Is that how you also present the product material with a sense of lightness? I know that sounds bad, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to no, say No, no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, because lighting can be commoditized. You know, people think if you flip the switch and the light comes on, we have light. That's all we need. But what we're, ended, we're ending up doing is residentially, uh, multifamily, we're lighting everything, even commercially, we're lighting everything like a retail store. Lots of even leveled light. And so we don't have any drama. We don't have any emotion. We go to spas because we love the soft music and the smells and the dim lights, the candlelight. We'll try to uh, reproduce a sunset by candlelight when we want to unwind at the bathtub at the end of a long day. But all of our lights are one color and we can dim them down or brighten them, but it's all evenly lit. And so, yeah, the human, the human element of lighting is really, really important. It, it, we can create moods, evoke emotions. Why do people like to sit and watch the sun go down? You know, it's it touches our soul. And so now we can recreate that technology by talking about lighting experiences and not the price of a light. You're never going to change your lights. People don't rip their ceilings out and change them. They'll change their countertops, their flooring. They'll buy a new $100,000 SUV every two or three years, but they don't want to spend any significant amount on a part of their home that's never going to change. And so 
Um, when we go a little further, I'd be happy to share with you how we can actually talk about lighting homes for those that are aging in place, because we need different light when we're 60 than we do when we're 40 than when we do when we're 20. And again, that's some of the things we've learned about the human biology and how lighting affects it. Yeah, go into that. I like that. Well, aging in place and why it really matters. Sure, sure. So absolutely. So when you're 20 years old, um, actually, our best vision is about three or four years old, believe it or not. And it's all downhill from there. Everybody is all downhill from there. So when you're at 20, you can see great. You can see in low light conditions. Um, glare doesn't bother you. As we age, our lenses and our eyes thicken and yellow. And when they thicken, what that does is it scatters light in the back of our eye instead of a clear, crisp image. So around maybe 45, 50, 55, somewhere in that range, we start having problems with oncoming headlights at night. We start having problems with glare because that thick lens scatters the image in the back of our eye and it, it kind of blinds us. So we can't have glare. But because our lenses are yellowing, if you're 60, 70, 80 years old, you need three to four times the amount of light that a 20 to 30 year old needs to perform the same task at the same level. So we need three to four times more light as we age, but we need less glare because we can't handle that light directly into our eyes. So we really have to look at layers of light, indirect light, bouncing it off the ceiling, bring it under the cabinets, um, recessed lighting that goes high up in the ceiling to avoid being on the ceiling plane where there could be glare more light because our lenses are yellow. We need more light than we did when we were 20 years old. So we actually can overlight our homes so that if we're designing it when we're 30, it's going to be great when we're 60 as well. Now, how about quantifying the value of effective lighting, not just in, in, a, in a home and in that it showcases a home, internal, exterior and interior, but also through business and commerce and you know, multi-family housing that it actually showcases and increases the value of the property itself. Absolutely. So not only the value, um, you know, again, the feeling people get with light. Imagine yourself going into an old Navy store that's lit like a retail warehouse and in in, in relating to the value of the merchandise or being a young 18-year-old and going to an Abercrombie store that, you know, guys our age, Tom, frankly, can't see anything in because they're so dimly lit, but they're not designed to our crowd. They're designed to a young crowd um, or a coach uh, purse, uh, uh, they're not called purses, they're called handbags at that level. I've been educated. So imagine a coach handbag, which are all shadow boxed and individually lit. So think about the feeling you get when you go into these places, a, a spa, a high-end restaurant is very lit very well with multiple layers of light and nothing about a business. So it's not only about the, the, um, emotional part of it and what the person experiences and the feeling they get in that space, but it's also about productivity. So we can increase the color temperature of the lights to be closer to sunlight during day, midday, maybe right after lunch when normal people, people normally get that slump from eating and they start getting tired and we increase the color temperature to be closer to sun to try to wake them up and keep them vibrant. Um, we can also have sensors in the lighting that can monitor when people are using a space. So if there's peak energy costs, now you can have areas that aren't occupied. Maybe that, that shift goes to lunch from 12 to 1, and you could actually cut the lights in half. So it's still stay safe to traverse through, but you don't need the full lighting potential for production. Uh, so we can control and save energy as well as, you know, utilize the lights uh, when they're on with monitoring and control systems. Now you can see what lights are on in a space, even if you're not there. So there's a lot of potential for, for many different facets of, of human benefit. Patrick, this is outstanding. And you are listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast presented by Sarah Clad. We're talking today with Patrick Laidlaw. 
National Sales Manager for WAC Lighting. For more information, you can visit their website at WACLighting.com. Again, WACLighting.com. Patrick, can you share with us uh, some recent projects? You don't have to name names unless you'd like to, that you're, uh, that you're working on if you're at liberty to, uh, to do so today. Sure. Yeah. Um, a couple of projects we've done. We've worked on some universities. Uh, we've worked on um, uh, some big projects in New York, some spas and some restaurants. One of the most recent um, that we were uh, fortunate to be a part of, if you're a sports fan, was Coach Kelly's house uh, out of South Bend, Indiana. And um, we were a big part of that. We're working on another project right now, uh, also in South Bend, Indiana. Wonderful client who is actually having their family, their daughter's wedding at their home uh, this fall. And they've done a complete remodel of not just the house, but even the lighting. Uh, we worked on the first, probably in my 35-year career, a home in New York where they actually realized, and, and this is a wonderful thing for lighting and that awareness, regular human being, day-to-day -day awareness of lighting it has grown. But they realized how bad the lighting was, and they're actually the first client that I've ever worked with that ripped the entire ceiling out. Um, in 35 years, that's the first one where they, they did a complete remodel, including gutting the ceilings to put proper lighting in. So um, that, that's been pretty exciting. Uh, I think, Tom, something that's pretty interesting, too, is if you go talk to any realtor, uh, the Realtor Association has done studies that shows curb appeal of buildings and also residences goes up dramatically when you add exterior lighting that's done well. So landscape lighting that's done tastefully rather than just floodlights everywhere. Um, again, it draws people in when you create a scene. It extends the indoors outdoors. So if you're inside your home or your building at, at night and it's dark out, uh, you see yourself, you see reflection. It's called the black mirror effect. But if you have lighting outside, especially tasteful lighting, it actually brings you to the outdoors. It, it, it you allows you to see through the window, not only traverse spaces uh, safely, but also people are connected to their outdoors environment now more than ever, especially with the pandemic. You know, they've been stuck in their homes and stuck in their uh, offices or buildings, depending on what type of profession they had. So, um, so doing some outdoor lighting is, is, is a wonderful thing. And the city, uh, city of New York actually did a study with two different projects and they lit one project before they were able to lit the other. These were high crime, multifamily projects and crime dropped 38% in a matter of weeks in the project that they lit before the other one did. So we're talking about dramatic, dramatic um, uh, emphasis on what lighting can actually do for, for the people that, that are in the space. Yeah, how do you get that, that experience, those uh, case studies out to people in cities and communities so that they understand that importance and the value of that? Or is that really up to the city itself to do that? Yeah, the, the city of New York did publish this. You know, we do a lot of uh, research online. We try to share through social media. Uh, we have several different social media accounts that we try to share information uh, with. Um, you could do things as simply as, as calling your local police department and saying, what's the best source of security I could have for my home or business? And they'll tell you lighting is the number one. Uh, we work with a lot of integrators across the country and they put in these state-of-the-art security systems. It's very important. But by the time the alarm goes off, they could already be in, inside the home or inside the business. And so lighting actually deters crime dramatically because people don't want to be seen, especially the criminal element. So just by adding some light around the outside, it can, it can dramatically increase safety. And I think, uh, as I said, any police department will tell you that. my I have a personal friend. I'll tell you a personal story, Tom. He had a two-story house. Their bedroom was upstairs. His wife left her purse on the kitchen table and they didn't close the blinds of the slider. 
in the middle of the night, he hears a crash. And before he can be downstairs, they had busted the slider, grabbed her purse and were gone before he even got, you know, into the kitchen. And uh, that's the one thing the police shared with him as well is get some lights in this backyard. You have a privacy fence. People can sneak yeah. in here without being seen from anywhere. And uh, this is the result of it. So so it's, it's it, these are facts, not necessarily uh, myself trying to promote people purchasing additional lighting. Yeah. Well, this is a question for a, a design question related to lighting is can you still have effective lighting serve as a safety purpose and still as a decorative Yes, absolutely. That's a great question. So without question, you can. So the way we always used to light external buildings and so it's kind of the street light parking lot approach and code says for safe traverse at night, we need to have at least a minimum of one foot candle in, in a parking lot. So retail environments and businesses have liability concerns along with beauty, but we absolutely can residentially multifamily. There are products made um, through landscape uh, companies uh, such as ourselves, where you can actually do a combination of both. You can light the paths for safe traverse. Uh, it does not take a lot of light outside to deter crime. And this is where a lot of people, I think, um, wow. maybe error and judgment, because you're inside, your home is overlit. We put things on controls to dim it down. When you go outside, if you give yourself just three to five minutes, just stand outside for three to five minutes, you'll be amazed at how well you can see with a little bit of moonlight. It doesn't take a lot of light outside to deter crime. You don't have to put 100-watt LEDs or big commercial lights everywhere. As long as there's some light in any of the corners where someone could break into a lower window, hide behind shrubs or trees, uh, and paths are lit for safe travel, that that's really what you need to deter crime because someone who's standing outside and lurking in the darkness, the slightest bit of light is more than what they want to participate with. In your experience, do people do more uh, internal or interior or exterior uh, lighting, just kind of in a layman's perspective with the, in, in terms of the value of lighting and how important it is to them? Sure, sure. So in, in general, they spend more, more money on the inside, but then the outside okay. comes around usually at a later time when they're putting in sprinkling, um, outdoor audio, uh, then they'll they'll spend time uh, on the outside. A lot of architects, you know, um, have electrical engineers, and they'll design parking lot lighting or safety lighting into the building. So I think the project owner or project manager really has to make a focus to say, I am concerned about the aesthetics outside as well as the aesthetics inside. And so a lot of times there'll be an interior designer, but there aren't a lot of people out there who are exterior designers, if you will. Um, Ooh, people don't hire like for that. that. You have the landscaper do the landscape. Um, so, you know, the, definitely inside is the larger focus. But here in the last couple of years, outdoor living has become such a huge category that it's very important for people to be able to go outside. And, you know, people want to go outside now and take their lunch breaks outside and sit at a picnic table. Even if it's in the evenings, they want to go out and relax and just get fresh air. So it, it's yeah. definitely been a big surge in outdoor living. At what stage did you uh, – well, we'll go to a, a break and then uh, we'll return again, Patrick. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Sierra Clad. Our public announcement today is for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. The Make-A-Wish Foundation is a 501 nonprofit organization founded in the United States that helps fulfill the wishes of children with a critical illness between the ages of, in essence, I love this, uh, the number is actually 21 and 2 seconds, so that's basically uh, – you know, Three to six months to 18 years old, Make-A-Wish Foundation was founded and headquartered in Phoenix, Arizona. 
founded in 1980. For more information, go to makeawish.org. Again, that's makeawish.org. We're talking today with Patrick Laidlaw, National Sales Manager for WAC Lighting. For more information, their website is waclighting.com. Again, that's waclighting.com. Patrick, I I know I asked this uh, last time, but with businesses and commerce constantly evolving, what's the um, change in your experience over the last, say, say, three to five years in lighting? Uh, In regards to businesses, Tom? Yeah, businesses, homes. Yeah, businesses, homes. Obviously, the changes have been significant, but I'm curious from your expertise. uh, Absolutely. So so there's been a couple of different changes that have been occurring, and then one I think that is on the cusp of occurring. So the the ones that have been occurring, again, is all about uh, the user experience in the space and the color temperature of the light, how it affects our bodies and our productivity, um, and then also sensors have just been huge. Occupancy sensors, knowing when a space is used. There's peak energy charges sometimes in certain cities. So by knowing what spaces are occupied, uh, you can actually turn down air conditioning if they're not occupied during peak energy. You can turn lights down during peak energy and save money that way. And a lot of those sensors are all designed through commercial lighting systems um, or can be utilized with commercial lighting systems. One of the things we're on the cusp of that I think is going to be pretty revolutionary in the next five to 10 years, very, very possibly sooner, is low voltage lighting. And basically the difference between line voltage and low voltage lighting is LEDs take 120 volts or 277 volts if you're in a commercial application and they step it down to usually 24 volts. There are 12 volt LEDs and 48 volt LEDs, but usually 24 to 48 volts. And so through this process of this conversion of higher voltage down to lower voltage, a little bit of energy is used in that transition or lost, I should say, in that transition. And they're predicting that by 2035, we're going to be at about peak copper consumption. So copper is a natural resource. It's a finite resource. And this is these are things that really have to come into play when we think about um, the future of building. We're talking about electric cars and the future of emissions and and lots of other things. But when we talk about building, an average home, uh, a mid to maybe mid to a little bit above mid-sized home has about 400 pounds of copper in wiring inside of it. And so there are opportunities where you go back to the Edison war, um, it should be AC or DC voltage, we're converting a lot of AC voltage in a home to DC voltage. Your computer, your laptop has a power pack. Your TV has a power pack. All of these little, what we call wall warts, converting energy down. And so there's there's companies out there, and we have a system that we've designed as well, and you're going to see more of this coming in the near future, where you'll have a remote power supply, one power supply, that will run a whole home on 48 volts DC, and you'll power the lights that way. The, the advantage to looking at a system like this is solar power produces energy in DC voltage. Um, wind power produces energy in DC voltage and batteries store energy in DC voltage. So I believe in the next five to 10 years or sooner, we're gonna see, especially residentially, homes wired in low voltage where they'll have a remote power supply, the battery, the the sun, um, so solar or wind will power the batteries and keep it charged. And if 120 volts goes out, you won't need it. You'll be able to operate for days just off battery storage in your home. And Elon Musk is working on some, some solar cities as we speak, solar developments that will have battery backup and will run low DC voltage. And so uh, that's what I think is going to be the next big move for the building industry. Wow. 
That was incredible knowledge, incredible insight. That uh, that's why we have this show. Is uh, you're just not going to get this sort of wisdom, experience, and insight anywhere else. You really won't. So thank you, thank you a lot, Patrick, for sharing that. That was major. Well, you're the pod father, and you know this is where it all happens. <laughs> if you want cutting edge, you come here. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Patrick. Patrick, before we uh, close off your show today, is there anything you'd like to share with your audience that we may not have touched on that you think uh, is important for you today? Well, the one thing I would I would definitely encourage project managers, project owners, um, homeowners, anybody that's in the building industry. I would highly recommend to pay attention to the lighting, more attention than you have before. As I stated earlier, lighting has become commoditized and whether it's a WAC lighting product or someone else's that that you feel fits the bill, uh, lighting affects everything we do and everything about our, our biology and the way we act and react. And we've proven this in school studies, um, Alzheimer dementia patients, uh, clinic, uh, elderly care facilities. We can regulate circadian rhythm patterns. We can get people to be more productive. So just pay attention to the lighting because uh, you can take a great design with poor lighting and and down the drain it goes. And you can do the opposite with a, a mediocre budget and, and, and spend the money into the lighting and the design is elevated. But ultimately, you're not going to be replacing the lighting probably for many years to come. So so I would just recommend people pay attention to that. The difference... Um, the difference will definitely be there. You just p- consciously, if everyone listening takes a moment and starts looking at the retail establishments they go into, the restaurants they go into, um, homes, businesses, think of how you feel when you walk in there. Is the lighting offensive? Is it is it good? Does it make you feel good? I think you'll you'll have some epiphanies as to how important it really is. Oh wow, Patrick, it's been a it's always an honor and a real pleasure and joy having you here. Thank you very much for being here. We we're gonna have you again real soon if you're if you're open to it. I'd love to, Tom. I love doing the show. You're you you bring a lot of great information to people who hopefully can utilize it. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you, Patrick. Thank you very much. Our guest today has been Patrick Laidlaw, National Sales Manager for WAC Lighting. WAC Lighting is headquartered in Garden City, New York and is a global leading manufacturer of innovative design of lighting for luxury residential and commercial application, as well as hospitality, institutional, retail, and architectural projects. You can step inside their museums, the world's great public spaces and offices, and uh, WAC Lighting has helped them shine brightly. Love that. For more information, feel free to visit their website at WACLighting.com. Again, that's WACLighting.com. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Cyraclad. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is recorded from the office of Cyraclad in Redmond, Washington and on location. The executive producer and host of the Architecture and Innovation Podcast is Tom Dioro. Thank you very much.